Hello and welcome to Nashville CA, your bi-weekly, bi-movie podcast by two dudes from opposite ends of the country. I'm Josh, the Nashville Contingent, uh, and with me as always is Sean, the CA Contingent. How are you doing today, Sean? I'm good. It's been really nice in California. It's about to get hot as fuck here as we go into September, but I'm really excited for fall. And for are we doing spooky month, by the way? Have we decided we can't do a weekly show? No, right? no, that would much. be that's that's uh, crazy. Pants. It almost killed us last time, and you didn't have a brand new job, right? Speaking Although, of which, is your job to. okay? It is. It's re- it's really enjoyable so far. Great. And so I'm moving meeting, on, oh. uh, our first. Game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I'm I'm meeting lots of French Canadians, which is. Uh, you know, a, a, a vertical in my life that I didn't have anybody to fill up before. And so now there's there's lots of them. I'm I'm resplendent with French Canadians. I'm trying to think of some French Canadian horror movies, but all I'm coming up with is straight French movies like Martyrs and stuff. But uh, Pontypool. Ooh, Pontypool Martyrs. Double yeah. French schmill. Let's do there it. There we go. So we have a lot of guests returning to the show today. Actually, we have every single woman that's ever been on the show returning today. Nice. Ironically enough to discuss a movie called Men. So we're going to start with the top left person in my screen. I recently slept in her house. Hi, Virginia. How are you? <laughs> oh, dear. House in her, in her bed. No, it, was, it, was on a, yeah, what? it was on my couch. <laughs> it's very salacious. <laughs> Hi, I'm do- I'm doing great. Um, um, y- doing good. Yeah. Good. H- hello, everyone. So Virginia, you well, were, you were on the show where we talked about Con Air and Twister. Yes, with your yes, partner Stephen. Yes, and we had a great uh, time. Now we've shed his dead weight, and you get to fly free and solo here. Oh, <laughs> you know he did set me up with this recording beforehand. Um. He had me download Audacity, and I was like, I don't want to worry about having to record while also being on the podcast. But turns out I needed to record it uh, for your podcast. So he and I he and I helpful. just called him Deadweight. You just called him Deadweight. Yeah. How dare you, up, Sean? Up next, we have our friend Courtney, who's on the show. She was from Nashville, and she was on the show before talking about. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums and Amelie. Hi, Courtney. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How about you, Sean? I'm good. That was possibly my drunkest episode that we <laughs> really? recorded. So you you have that honor. Yeah. That was see, you seem normal, but I that was my first time meeting you. And I'm like, this guy, he just might be a little quirky. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling loose. I was feeling confident. I divulged some real weird secrets that night that I uh Oh, it was great. The next no. day, I was like, oh, boy, how did we talk about that? No, it was great. I loved every second of it. I love I love gossip. I love, <laughs> I love tea. I love other people's trauma. It's great. Good. <laughs> same. same. Right? Mm, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> You're like the, the grief eater from, uh, what was that S- Stephen King show? The one that I didn't like. The Josh, outsider? come on. What? Yes. Yeah. Yes, the outsider. Oh. There's a grief eater on that show and that's what that's what you are, Courtney. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I was going to say like uh the Green Mile, but <laughs> a little more no, sad. That's like the opposite of a grief eater. That man like that's swallows a... pain to then like disperse 
healing. Yeah. He's a he's a joy fountain. Something filter. Filter. There we go. Yeah, like a Rest in filter. peace, Michael Clark Duncan. Yes. Someone else who has to eat a lot of grief is our next guest, who is a teacher. So please, everyone, be nice to her. School's back in session. Hi, Jen. You were on the show to talk about what did we talk Den of Thieves and Hurricane Heist. Nice. Yes, two winners. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Hi. How are the kids this year? Um, good vibes from the kids. This oh, year. Really? Yes. Air. Is that just? Chatty? Is that just August talking? No. Oh well, no. I'm gonna say no. Good you're vibes. you're not in the honeymoon phase still. <sighs> Today might have been the end of the honeymoon. I might be getting a divorce. <laughs> no, it's good. I'm gonna I'm gonna decide. It's gonna be a good year. Excellent. And our last guest of the day is Connie. And hi, Connie. We talked about, uh, oh, God, what those Canadian Brothers movie, Strange Brew. <laughs> he did it. And uh-oh. Midnight Run. Midnight Run. Wow. Why did we link those two together? We had a hard time coming up with what went in Strange Brew. <laughs> uh-huh. We went round and round with that one. I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I could have sat here for 10 minutes and I don't think I would have been able to come up with Midnight Run as our pairing for Strange Brew. But anyway, how are you, Connie? Good. And, and Strange Brew is still the best movie. Ooh. <laughs> it is really I mean, great. To be fair, we have I not agree. had another movie feature of Flying Dog on it. <laughs> and I just don't think we can ever really match that again. I like Buster just walking through. Your dog. <laughs> Oh, that's because the jerk, it's 4 p.m. And he's out there like, it's dinner time. Come on. Come on. He's a jerk and he walked away. Yeah. Fine. He knows. We all come here for your dog abuse. I hope you know. Abuse? (laughs) You yell at them every episode. I don't. That's. Okay, let's settle something. When I yell at them. That's my comedy tone. That's like my Bob <laughs> Odenkirk yell. You know, like it's it, there's over the top farcical comedy <laughs> attached to it. Courtney gets it. Yes, I, I I don't condone yelling at animals. I just don't want that to be the sound bite. It's like, oh, you abuse animals. Courtney gets it. <laughs> Not really the best promotional tour I could start. Wait, start promoting. Too late. It's too late. It's already on Twitter. Oh God. I but no, <laughs> no. I've done everything in my life for thirty six years to avoid getting on Twitter, and now this is it. Yeah, that's a tweet right now. Live, it, it, I live tweeted right now. <laughs> oh wait, but in our non-disclosure policy, you didn't. You saw there was a no live tweeting thing you signed, right? Oh no! Oh no! I, I break that all the time. <laughs> I'm always like, you guys got to get a load of this. I can't wait till the, <laughs> till Sean's hot takes about his dogs come out next week. The other five of us are having a full conversation on Twitter right now without you, Sean. Yeah, yeah Sean. How do you feel about that? Don't peer pressure me. I will give in. <laughs> My husband did ask if he if I wanted him to take Moose out of the room, like in the background now, in case he wakes up and starts barking. And I said, oh, no, this podcast is fine with barking dogs. <laughs> I used to edit around the dog barks. 
And one of our listeners, Doug, yelled at me for that and said, don't do that. So now I don't do that. But then our other listener, Russell, said they annoy him. So now I don't know what to do. Out of your two listeners, who are you going to listen to? Well, I mean, I'm on a, do I release like a dog cut and then a regular cut of the show? Yeah, do, just... do the Snyder cut of the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Moose picked his head up, by the way. I know. He heard Snyder cut, and he was like, I'm here for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> a five-hour epic of dogs barking. <laughs> or or yell, yelling Martha at each yeah, other. It has to be in the proper aspect ratio to ensure oh, his artistic yes. integrity. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And oh, you, can't, you can't be able to see anything. No, it's got to be real dark. Artistic really dark. integrity and aspect ratio. What a wonderful transition to be talking about <laughs> Alex Garland's movie 2022 called Men, starring Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. This is our second Alex Garland movie after mm-hmm. Annihilation, if I'm not mistaken, Josh. That is correct. Early, early ep- uh, episode Annihilation. That was one of our first. And so I would love to just start by going around the room and seeing... Does anyone have history either with Alex Garland through 28 Days Later, Sunshine, Virginia? Um, or did you see this movie in theater? Was this your first viewing? I, I just give me like just like yeah. a general breakdown of what you're at with this movie. First of all, I can't believe you mentioned 28 Days Later and Sunshine in my presence. <laughs> the horrible, the horrible hack director, Danny Boyle. Now I'm going to start talking about that for hours. Um, no, I did not realize. Um, quick, quick side note: I am not a fan of Danny Boyle, <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea. And The Beach is the worst movie ever made, <laughs> and I had no i no idea that Alex Garden, Gar- Alex Garland, Gar- Gardner Garland. Thank you, Alex Garland wrote the book that The Beach is based off of. Um, so that was a surprise for me. But anywho, when my um, friends and I were about thirteen years old, we watched The Beach just in the hopes of seeing boobs. Yeah, there's there's some there's some beachy boobs. There's a yeah, all kinds of things. But um, anywho, I, I uh, thought I hated a quick quick rundown. Um, first, uh, Ex Machina thought I hated it. Turns out I don't quite hate it. Um, <clears throat> Annihilation I absolutely love, and Men I really liked. Awesome. Those are just. Just some of my history with Alex Garland. Cool. Courtney, have you seen any of these movies? Uh, Ex Machina, I'd seen um, a very long, like in my mind, a long time ago, but I don't think it came out that long ago. And I was like, this it came is out cool. Like six what, like, years ago? Yeah. 2016, something like that. And, it, and in Courtney years, that's like, a, that's like a lifetime. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, um, I yeah, I liked it. I remember thinking, oh, this is cool. But also, I was like, Mm, I was like early 20s so I was like this is awesome everything that's like this is awesome you know um and I didn't realize that he did men and um uh I and I liked it I I I saw the trailer for it when I went and saw like um other other movies as you do with trailers and <laughs> I have no other better way. That was the, that was not the most eloquent way I could have said that. <laughs> Don't worry, Sean doesn't see trailers when he sees movies. So, so I I love watching them, but I saw the trailer for that so many times, and I'm like, this looks really cool. Um, and then I watched it, and I was just like, huh, 
Let's just, the Jennifer Aniston, huh? You know what I mean? Were you like, yeah. were you like, huh? Or were you like, huh? Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Nice setup and punchline. That's, that's how that Thank works. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Jen, speaking of that song. Yes. You, you, you were pursued in the parking garage by that song uh, after seeing this in theater were you not well oh. i saw oh this God. and then like the next day i went and saw watcher which is also like women in peril and mm-hmm. someone clearly had just seen um men and so as i was walking up the stairs and it was echoey because it's you know made of concrete somebody's oh, 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 oh. and it's like absolutely not i'm going to rush to my car i do not need this in my life thank you very much Wait, you didn't Uh, let me talk about Alex Garland. Sorry, you you slow down to a halt, and when you slow down to a halt, I just keep the ship moving. I'm sorry. Since when is that a rule? Give me a break. Um, I actually, looking back at everything, I'm shocked that he, I didn't know he wrote um, Never Let Me Go, which is one of my favorite movies. I really love it. Um, The Beach, though, hurt Ewan McGregor's feelings. Because he didn't get cast and he thought he would be. So he and Danny Boyle broke up for a little while. And that hurts my feelings. But <laughs> he also got um, Oscar Isaac to dance. So that brought me back into the fold. Oh, what a blessing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now I'm done. You can move on. I was, I was going to raise my hand and ask you if I could. Okay. Let me take a breath. God, let me live, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> you're just so used to having control in a conversation that have you can't met handle sixth graders? it can you? i have no control i have the illusion of control i do sixth grade come on oh well that's a rough i'm sorry that's a rough that's like that's right yeah. when like they get like that's like the worst what's the worst grade seventh eighth uh, seventh Oh, I would not want to teach kindergarten. So many people are like, all I want to do is kindergarten. I'm like, oh my God, they're snotty and they touch you. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, but the seventh graders are snotty and they touch each other. And they're mean. They're really mean. But then I get to be mean. (laughs) That's true. You can be sassy. Like like Dick's Last Resort, but for school. actually, Actually, during professional development, they're like, you're not allowed to be sarcastic. And I was like, you're not going to let me be myself. That's like, Harassment. Right. right. I feel attacked. <laughs> I feel attacked. Do you sass back those kids, Jen? I for sure do sass back those kids. And then and I giggle Connie, and I'm I... like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can I move the show to Connie? I'm trying so hard. <laughs> okay, go ahead. And Connie, what's your history with Alex Garland and all uh, his movies? I, I had no idea that he wrote like 28 Days Later in Sunshine. Um, so I love 28 Days Later. I I remember liking Sunshine, but don't remember much about it. And then I'm like looking at it, I'm like, I guess I've seen everything that he's directed at this point because I saw Ex Machina and Annihilation in theater. I guess Men's the only one I haven't seen in the theater. Um, Ex Machina, I was like going along with it going, okay, this is okay. It's kind of like similar to other things I've seen um, until we got to Oz. Oscar Isaac dancing, and then I was totally in. And, and then um, I saw all of Devs, which I thought started out great and ended. Eh. Uh, I've, I've meant to watch that. I've meant to watch that show for a long time. Yeah. It's not worth it. I, I don't know. You might like it. <laughs> it's only six episodes. <laughs> so, oh, that makes so, it easy. Yeah, yeah. So I like him. 
And Josh, did you you saw this in the theater, right? Yes, I did. I went and saw it with uh, our friends Andrew and Eli. So it was a bunch of men Aww. seeing men, and that was a ride. Just uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> did you relate? Yeah, I I really sadly could. That's as as the, but I don't want to even know as as who. <laughs> See, that's the problem. <laughs> The, yeah. the the spectrum of um, emotions coming out of this movie, even uh, when we watched it, there was only like two other people in the theater. It was opening night. And one guy partway through the third act just goes stupid and gets up and leaves. You <laughs> <laughs> related too much is what I yes. can say. I was like, he's he's feeling personally attacked right now. Yes. <laughs> I, I saw the movie with about four other people in the theater total. And oh. as the credits roll, one guy walks who was sitting behind me and he walks by and he just goes, what the hell did we just watch? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, sir, that's an appropriate response. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I love this movie. And I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I really want to talk about that on the show. But our show is definitely dude heavy. And if there was ever a movie that did not need two bearded white men sharing their opinions on it, I felt like it was this one. So I really wanted to just open the floor up to the only four women that Josh and I know combined. And, uh, here you all are. So good luck. You represent your entire gender and uh, half of humanity. And so... What what do y'all think of this from like from the start here? What do you think of like her relationship with this guy? The, like the intro scene, it's not fun. I was gonna say now your yearly quota has also been met. So two birds with one stone. Yeah, we'll okay. never be on again. No, we, this, we, don't, uh, we don't call them birds. Virginia. We just pack They're all ladies. the women into mm -hmm. one short episode oh. where we only talk about one movie right. and then Called uncover men. it for like six mm -hmm. months. You have one <laughs> small binder full of women. <laughs> I'm trying to find more. I'm on Hinge and Bumble. Just no one's swiping right. You gotta tell them. You gotta tell them you're doing a podcast because let me tell you that works. If you someone else, Josh knows if someone asks you on a date and you're like. I'm okay, thank you. But they're like, do you want to come be a guest on my podcast? <laughs> it works. I don't want to say it was a personal thing that's recently <laughs> happened to me, but it works. <laughs> um, you can check out that other podcast episode that I was on <laughs> on my social media. Um, just saying, I'm. I, you know what? You never. There's. I used to um, use dating apps to try and get people to come to my comedy shows, and so I would get like. <laughs> four or five guys that would show up and they're like, well, what do you want to do after? And I'm like, well, I'm going to go home. I just did this show, but thank you for coming and buying a ticket. Nice. Some I, people try to get their Instagrams or Snapchats or OnlyFans. You just try to get butts in the seats at a comedy oh, club. Yes, 100%. I'm just like, you know what? How can I, how can I make sure that everyone gets paid? So... <laughs> Gotta, you know, gotta do what you gotta do. I don't condone that. You can always, you can also cut that part out. You don't have to air that part. That <laughs> Sean doesn't edit out, edit out anything but him yelling at his dog. <laughs> and only like my worst jokes that really land with a thud. I, I leave the thuds in there, but sometimes I, I drop some real comedy bombs that, <laughs> that just take the air out of the room. Bombs away. <laughs> Uh, what's the song that's 
like basically the theme song. Is it a is it a Fleetwood Mac song that it starts is. this movie off? Where she literally did you notice that she jumps when the movie when the music starts? She has like a little jump scare. Mm-hmm. No, it's um, uh, by Leslie Duncan. I don't think I noticed. It's uh, who was in Fleetwood Mac? No, it's she wrote the song um, and then performed it on her own album in like the early 70s. And then Elton John and her did it as a duet in uh, on Tumbleweed Junction in like 76, I want to say. Um, and she was known as a songwriter for other people and would frequently get overshadowed by the men who sang her songs. Huh. They Someone named John Leslie is later. in Fleetwood Mac. You're thinking There's of Lindsay. Lindsay. Buckingham is Lindsay. a man. Yeah. That, <laughs> this, all the pieces just got connected. I've been recovering from COVID for the past nine days, by the way. I thought you were going to so say the past just, nine months. <laughs> oh, Courtney, don't be so mean, man. Oh, my God. So I'm going to, if I seem inept in any way or any of my jokes don't land or you disagree with any of my opinions, blame it on recovery from COVID. And that, you You're going to get that. that forever. Yeah, yeah, that you're that punch card's <laughs> gonna get filled up real fast. <laughs> what was your question, Sean? <laughs> uh, just the song. The song. I it, are there any lyrics in this song that are thematically relevant? I didn't pay attention to them. I figured Josh would have though. The, the word, just the word, um, love being repeated several times popped out to me, and just I guess to to start it off, I do think. This movie uh, was about love, <laughs> I guess, um, and it's pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. But we 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 can talk about it. Um, I also, well, I, I'll I'll wait. I'll wait. There's some other thoughts I have, but uh, I can wait. Okay. Um, the just this intro. Alex Garland knows how to shoot a fucking beautiful movie Mm -hmm. between this and Annihilation. I don't recall Ex Machina being quite as beautiful, but between the contrast of this, like these interior shots of this couple as they're going through this breakup with this just flooded with this sunset orange light that just fills the room with like a living fire. And then compare that with like the greenest movie I think I've ever seen. I don't recall ever seeing anything greener in my life than this movie. It's yeah. mocking is super green. There's something though, they're in the middle of the like his modern house is in the middle of the floor. Down the middle. Mm-hmm. Of the, mm-hmm. the scene where um there were lots of moments that really reminded me of annihilation with the the scene of the I guess we'll call him the green man and I'm jump, jumping ahead a little bit but the the green man, the naked man that's following her around when he blows the spores, or mm-hmm. they're not spores, they're um, dandelion. dandelion. Dandelion seeds into her face sort of reminded me of of an of annihilation. Mm-hmm. Um, so after I saw the, this, the, I, the movie and the book, I went hiking yeah. and I grabbed a dandelion. I was trying to recreate that perfect like, <laughs> couldn't do it. I, could, I don't have the green man in me. I couldn't do it. <laughs> you don't have a green man inside of you. You know what's funny? I I do have a little green man medallion thing that I have on my wall next to my front door that I got mm-hmm. a few years ago just because 
for me, when I saw it, I was just like, oh, that's a reminder that we're all connected with nature. And so it's like a guy with like leaves coming out of his face and stuff. It's like, oh, that's cool. It's mm-hmm. like kind of like taking shrooms in the woods and healing and being part of. And then seeing this movie, now I'm like, oh, no, green man, what are you doing there on my wall? <laughs> but do you have vagina lady to balance him out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the real question. Yeah, well, I have green oh man God. is right next to my front door on the interior. So vagina lady is on the opposite side on the exterior wall oh. for all of my neighbors to see as they walk their dogs and kids by in the morning. Beautiful. <laughs> so does, do y'all know the, what that, the vagina lady is called? No. It's no. like Celtic or something. It's the. Yeah, it's a Sheila Nagig, which is a figurative carving of a naked woman displaying her vulva. Um, but there's lots of people don't really quite know um, what it represents necessarily, but there's all kinds of different interpretations. Hmm. Yeah, if we That's just awesome. want to talk like overall, this, what the hell is your take on this movie overall? <laughs> like, what? I, I'm really curious to hear. Just, I mean, feel free to talk about, like, the ending, the beginning, everything incomplete, but just, like, what's your thesis? I'm really curious to hear what everyone just, like, took away from this. Anyone want to go first? you want to raise your hand? (laughs) Okay. So, the first time I saw it in the theater, I walked out with the same idea that I watched it two times this week. I feel the same way. Um, To me, it's about... The men keep telling her every different version of the, of men, except for the soccer hooligans who never speak to her, tell her that she's making them act the way that they act. You're ignoring me. You're hurting me. And I'm going to do this. Why are you doing that? Why aren't you grateful to me? You're making me horny and it makes me uncomfortable or whatever. They're all about it's your fault. But then... The last scene to me is it's not her fault. Men create other toxic men. Mm. They keep saying it's women, it's women, it's women, but really they're giving birth to each other. And so it's, yeah. That, to me, that's what the movie's about. And that was how, when I first walked out of the theater, I was like, that's what the movie's yeah. about. I have to talk about it. And I was trying to talk about it to my friends, and they're like, Okay. I was like, no. I need to talk about this movie. You don't understand. And then I thought, oh, I'll watch it again and I'll feel differently, but I don't. I still feel the same way. Damn. That's beautiful. I mean, in a very like not okay way, but that is a beautiful (laughs) way of looking at it. Oh, that's and yeah, that's incredible. You're so smart. (laughs) And I'm like, I know Jen's gonna explain everything to me. Like, you know, them, it's all these different variations of, yeah, men telling her women in general, like, wow, it's all her fault. And so mm-hmm. I just kind of took it overall as she asked for a divorce, did not go well. And then she went there to actually kind of like grieve the divorce and the death and everything that happened to her. And so I just kind of view the whole entire thing as a reflection of all these things that she's experienced in life with all these different men and what like probably what her husband has told her but also other men that she has encountered in her life and then once that whole entire transformation happened which i did not fully take away what jen said but it makes perfect sense about them giving birth (laughs) to all these talking men giving birth to each other um i just was like whatever that happened it's i just viewed it as a, a way for 
like her to come to terms with like this is I because she, she keeps fighting it the whole entire time going like this is not my fault and it just comes to that point of where she's talking to her husband and it's like what do you want and he's like I just want you to love me and it's kind of like well I don't anymore and she kind of moves on from that and that's why she's smiling at the end because she's like mm-hmm. she actually she went there and she accomplished what she wanted to she wanted to get over that whole entire thing mm-hmm. that's what I thought yeah I was wondering if yeah what you're uh, both yeah partly of what, what you both are saying um Connie and Jen is um like that not so much about like to to piggyback off of that like not so much about like men men in general are toxic mask I mean Yes, toxic masculinity, but also like her relations, specifically her relationship to to men, and like like I noticed that she didn't tell you know Greg Gregory about that she could play the piano, and then her friend asks her, "Oh, you played the piano?" and she says yes, and um, that sort of like indicating that she sort of inherently because of like the trauma she went through, also with such a like you know really abusive guy, her husband, um. Like her, like part of her moving past it was sort of um, like it was her specific relationship to the men, the men and like the like every every like part of that the man um, sort of represented her. uh, And also like her and also I think sort of a cliche of like of like toxic men. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, so not, not so much about like men in general, but like her specific relationship to them. Um, and, but then also, yeah, like how men are brought up, uh, yeah, being like birthing each other. It's like just damaging one another and enabling each other and, and that stuff, all that good stuff or bad stuff. (laughs) Um, but yeah, the green man like represents like rebirth. So, um, well, and she's holding that little leaf at the very, very end and wondering if like, oh, is like the green man isn't necessarily like a bad character or good character. He just is sort of like there. And I like when he's like, <laughs> they're birthing each other. I was just, like how they're like so pitiful and silly. And like it, it actually is like a really funny scene to me, especially the, like the very last birthing scene where the feet are sticking out of his mouth and he just like falls over <laughs> it's so like so silly looking and um and she just is like kind of tired <laughs> and 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 over it um i liked and it's almost like they were like here i'm i'm helping you learn to get past your your trauma <laughs> by by birthing myself in front of you over and over, <laughs> and over again yeah, I I took it also as like a kind of a like an allegory of trauma as well too. Like that's kind of what my takeaway from it. Like her, all of her, because you know, like obviously, like we only see her interactions with her late ex husband, and but you know, they were like thousands upon thousands of other interactions, probably similar that in her life, or that or that would have maybe led to that that just being treated like shit, you know, just because of the way that the society is. And so I thought like that for her was like her kind of just being able to process her her trauma and in, in like her I thought of it too in a lot of ways of her like battling like is it my fault that he did this versus was it not like was it not and I felt like a lot of that was like her in society telling her this is your like herself telling, telling herself it's her fault that her husband killed himself if she would have let him apologize or 
let him like talk to her, didn't kick him out or didn't text or whatever, then she then he would be alive. And it's her. So I, I took it as her processing a lot of grief and trauma and it manifesting itself in different ways. I also didn't think about this, but I don't know remember how many iterations there are. But if there were seven, if there were seven different iterations of men, that would have maybe been interesting for for grief. But um, but I don't think there are. So that, there that was are. something I thought what, there are. Because there's five births and then the two soccer. Ho- oh, wait, no, that's not true. There's nine. Oh, damn. It's the five birds and then the two soccer hooligans, the cop, and the bartender. That would have been cool um, if so that close. were the case. Because that, I, I, yeah, I just, I thought about that a lot. I'm like, yeah, I can see. Stages of grief. Yeah. And I can mm-hmm. see that being, I, I found the parts the most uncomfortable to watch were like the, her being in the bar and, and the, uh, the, the cop being like, oh, we let him go. There's no reason to keep him there. Mm-hmm. You know, just different things mm-hmm. that kind of parallel my own life. Um, unfor- Not to like make this too dark, but like, I found different things like that a lot more relatable. So th- this movie was hard to watch, um, but only for the more mundane parts and not mm-hmm. for like the like the scary or special effects part. So, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. Were you mo- surprised that outside of her friend, the only other woman in this movie is the cop? Mm-hmm. And the cop doesn't have her back at all. She's oh. immediately dismissive and they're like, oh, I'm sure he's harmless. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. a naked man reaching through your mailbox. I'm <laughs> sure he's harmless. Uh-huh. Yeah, she so yeah. made me think of the of the cop in um, Hot Fuzz, where she was so tra- yes. trying so hard to be one of the guys. <laughs> yeah, that I was like, yeah. "Girl, please stop, shut up." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, go I, back I, I thought of that too. Is set up that way, and so it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like the only way I'm going to fit in is if I start acting like all the guys. My mom right. worked in the oil field industry and um, she was like held back in her career because she didn't take men to like strip clubs for lunches. Mm-hmm. But she mm-hmm. like she talked the way like she talked real rough and she kind of did anyway. I do too. Those of you that <laughs> have heard me talk. But um, <laughs> I get it from my mother. But um, <laughs> but it was because she worked in a male dominant industry where she only ever dealt with men. and. Um, changed mm-hmm. not just how she behaved at work but how she behaved everywhere mm-hmm. I, I, I was talking to a friend recently because doing comedy I'm, I'm oftentimes either like one the only woman or one of very few women and usually one of the only people of color like in most spaces too like for stand-up and stuff so I've noticed just my own demeanor changing like when I meet new people like how I kind of assert myself versus how I maybe would be more naturally inclined to just based on my personality of like no I got it like you know, show the show dominance or whatever, just so that I don't get steamrolled or, you know, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And that, yeah, I, that, that cop was the female cop was, um, uh, she bothered me, but also I'm like, I can see why you are like this and that's not fair. It's not a hundred percent your fault, but it is your job to learn to do better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Virginia, you and I just watched annihilation this week. And you talking about, you think this movie's about love. Uh, Josh, want to get you involved in this one, too. Um, mild spoilers for Annihilation. But at the end of Annihilation, I feel like we have a creation. A character that's, like, literally comes from creation. That then exists looking for love. Searching for it. But ends up using, like, violence and stuff. But... In a similar way, I feel this way with this movie, um, where we have these creatures that go through this creation phase, 
And even no matter how much they put this woman through physically and mentally tormenting her, it's that, I mean, it's that, like, like it's not a joke, but it's, like, the disgusting joke at the end of the day of, like, abusive relationships, but then at the end, the guy still just says, like, I just want your love. Like, that, that, that would fix me. Mm-hmm. And so the end of this movie felt like a really, really dark joke to me, and I think I don't know if that, like, him saying your love is what snapped her out of the spell and was able to kind of release her. Also, the way she was thumbing the blade of that axe, I was <laughs> curious if anyone thought that maybe we, we missed an off-screen kill. But, mm. Josh, what do you think? Sean, that was uh, four very loaded questions right there. That's not just one. <laughs> yeah, 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 I had a lot on my mind. There's a lot of people talking. I'm trying to keep all of my thoughts up here. <laughs> um, I do think there's interesting like thematic connections through all of, um, not all of Alex Garland's work, because maybe it's not there in The Beach and 28 Days Later. Uh, although... I do think especially the book of the beach is definitely richer. And so there's like, there's, yeah, there's aspects of, I think, um, like the creation and beauty of life and love that gets talked about. But also as he goes on in his career, he like starts seeing from, from all these different facets and you get like the more existential angles on it, which I think has been, you know, annihilation. Um, Ex Machina doesn't I don't feel like it's quite as deep but devs definitely like people just sit down and have full on philosophical debates in that movie or in that show uh, Kanye I'm right like there's almost a whole episode that is just people <laughs> sitting and talking right mm-hmm. yeah. by the end of it yeah <laughs> um, and this I feel like I had a little bit of the questioning of what do things mean as we were watching Annihilation, but Annihilation is also just a fun science fiction story. Like it works on both levels. Um, my notes for men, and I want to ask you guys some of these, everything was like, what does this mean? And I feel like everything is so layered in this and everything is so, um, it's such an allegory. I feel like, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if I can take this story just as a story in and of itself, or does everything represent something in the larger world and the larger context? And I feel like, um, especially each of these little interactions, which uh, would normally be like microaggressions carried out against her, like the scene in the pub where the the landlord is like, he's kind of casually dismissive. Uh, her His whole like, oh, I'll buy your drink. Your money's mm-hmm. no good here. Like, he's just kind of, in, in the most kind way possible, he's still, like, putting her down and, like, taking yeah, away her order. own agency. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and that it, scene to me is coupled with him insisting on getting her bags and not mm-hmm. letting her help, but then complaining about mm-hmm. how he hurt himself and he exerted himself. But now he really needed her to thank him. <laughs> And be grateful to him and owe him. Mm-hmm. And to me, the paying for her drink, your money's no good here. And then kind of being pissed off that she didn't make a big deal about it. Wasn't that was enough. his 
weird man microaggression towards her because he seems like such a nice grandpa kind of guy. But he was treating her as smaller so he would feel bigger and needed her to be grateful. Yes, I agree. Well, and at one point he says, um, as we talked about men birthing shitty men, he talks about how his dad told him, uh, you have precisely the qualities of a failed military man. Father Mm -hmm. told me that was only seven years old. And so I think, like, the enemy of this movie might not be men, but it might be masculinity. And Mm -hmm. the ideals that men think we have to live up to, or men not speaking against other men who are crossing the line and being pieces of shit at the workplace or out out at night or whatever yeah. and and I I think that's the real enemy of this one and that's like like we all birth it because we don't stop the cycle. Yeah. I was kind of thinking that when we were talking about the female cop of, you know, she was trying to fit in and everything and I see that a lot with older generations of women because it mm-hmm. was the norm to do a lot of things. I even remember like when I was younger, how I used to think about things and I've changed the way I, I think about things about like how women are act, acting or how I'm acting myself. And, and still like, I, I sometimes like point things out to my mom where she just starts getting really catty about something. And I'm like, chill, mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> calm down. And it's like, and she's become like that toxic masculinity is coming out of her. And so it's just like, it's just a different generation of like that, that was the norm and that's just what they grew up with. And so it's not, not just men. It is that, uh, Sean, it's just like mm-hmm. it's that masculinity out there in the in the society, and you do and you need to need to talk about it and stop it. <laughs> I feel like a, a lot of it was also like thinking about Alex Garland's other movies. Just like he does seem like really interested, sort of obsessive, almost about um, like hetero relationships um, and like with with uh, just like the relationships between the creator and the Android and ex machina. And then the um, Natalie Portman's character and her husband in annihilation. And then this, like um, the, you know, the main character and her husband slipping I'm or slipping or falling. And like, um, and in, in like thinking about like the relationships and like, when I say it's, Oh, I think it's about, love i think like like yeah that like tox toxicity of love or like almost like an obsession and it and it be and so you're just completely like it be, like engulfs you and becomes like who you are um but thinking about it on her on her end like in her like trying to heal going to this cottage to try and heal and like when she the scene so the scene when she's with the vicar and he you know is saying like well you know did you let him apologize and she's like and he as she's running away he's like i thought you wanted to know these these answers i thought you had these questions and i think she did and i think she did she like um like that guilt and like not knowing like oh what if i had apologized could i have stopped it um she does actually want to know that answer um but she doesn't quite understand that until the very, very end. And like having that, like learning to let go of that responsibility um, and accepting that it is not your responsibility is like extremely, extremely hard as someone who's like really codependent, like in a relationship, like 
just like how like this scenario is so terrifying um having <laughs> you know um your your partner like you know put this on you and it and in like using that as um you know as as like this is my love this is the love i'm giving you um and like it's almost like she just needed to accept that like this is this is that love i cannot do this and this is no longer my responsibility is like so so hard to do and like maybe it takes like a bunch of dudes birthing each other <laughs> in front of in front of you and like cutting cutting a hand in half and having it fondle you i don't, I don't know <laughs> yeah did what you think i i that like that like really resonated with the with me her like it like not being able to i don't know i that's what i felt and like the like what it means to love someone and uh not be like 100 percent responsible for them Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know so that hand i mean it's first we get the parallel between james her husband's wound when his arm goes through the fence and then the hand later but for me it's when the green man reaches through the the mail slot and she reaches out because it's reaching out it's a beautiful shot where it goes underneath the hand looking up at the ceiling and it tracks and follows and then we see jesse buckley's face there and she reaches out in like a peaceful gesture to hold the hand and then it immediately grabs her and hangs on for dear life and tries to control her and it was just like Mm -hmm. okay that's just that's just relationship she tried to approach this as like a timid mutual deal here where we're each going to shake hands and this thing just immediately like put its literal claws into her, mm-hmm. and so so that like that slicing of the arm was it's like a real physical embodiment of her like getting away from those kinds of relationships. And that paralleled that first scene between her and James, the husband, because she's trying to have a conversation and be like, "This is how we need to deal with it. Let's be adults and let's talk about it. Like we need to be. We're not healthy for each other." And he. Um, the way Jesse Buckley talked about, it, like I watched the making of, um, and she talked about him being emotionally violent because he hits her with yeah. the, it's your fault. I'm acting like this. He was trying to control her behavior and emotions with threats when she was trying to meet him with like kindness and maturity. And that scene where she's reaching out to hold the hand of the green man and he meets that empathy with violence. I was like, yeah, that's like literally every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. As soon as the beginning, when he uh, when he said that if you if we're if you're going to do this to me, because it's always to him, um, I'm mm-hmm. going to kill myself, and then it's going to be your fault. And and I was like, and you have to live I with hate it. this guy. I hate this guy and everything about him. <laughs> and like, I knew nothing yes. about the relationship. Really, it's just like that tiny little glimpse of that that conversation just tells you everything you need to know about that relationship. Hmm. Yeah, when he says, if I knew why you married me, then I could subtract what's different about me now. Like, dude, you are not an equation or like mm-hmm. a jigsaw puzzle that you can just cut the bad parts out and put them over here but now. That's, yeah, but, that, that, and, but that's like the desperation, right? That's like, it, and it's so, it's so like sad and like, yeah, and it's like in, on many, many levels and like also just like horribly abusive. And then also just so like at the very like his his body at the very end she's just like so pitiful 
And like you really, really like no matter how like horrible and disgusting and like abusive, it's just like so pitiful and like just the whole thing is so sad. Like just their like relation to one another. And yeah, it's just like and and yeah, it's her, her like release of it is just like, huh, all right. That big, <laughs> I'm done. That big I'm sigh like... and then yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like whatever yeah, you say, yeah. dude. I'm about to chop your dick off and <laughs> shove it down your throat. <laughs> um, I really loved I that we never it. knew yeah. the inciting incident. Like, they never tell you what happened right mm-hmm. before the fight that leads to the, I'm divorcing you. And he's like, well, then I'm yep. going to kill myself. That you never know the horrible thing that happened. Yeah. Because people before, are going to get Because so it doesn't matter. That. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's exactly, I mean, having gone through a very contentious divorce. It's funny because the inciting incidents don't matter. It is how the other person responds to them, which at a certain point tells you all you need to know. You know, mm-hmm. you're no longer, uh, you, you get in that cycle of fighting for fighting's sake. And like, you're trying to not lose any sand. You're like, you're, I'm standing here on my beach. And I think that goes both ways. Um, and his, his, folly like is seeking love in a way that is never going to work it's never yeah. going to um uh, entice the other person to respond to you with love it is only going to respond to you with trying to distance themselves and save themselves because for him it is there's no difference between expressing love and lashing out everything mm-hmm. is it's only born of that violent impulse and it's very um i think the rebirth metaphor really works because it's very childish it is very like emotionally stunted at a certain place where he just apparently has never grown past and i think that even though the movie Mm. definitely is pointing these things out and um not expecting us to uh, side with the the men overall. I do think it has empathy for them as being like there is something about being a lost person and not having yeah. the tools to actually communicate in an adult relationship. And I do think that you know metaphorically that leads to your emotional death. Not not mm-hmm. giving yourself the grounding that you need as an actual person to, to deal with other actual people and in a kind and respectful way um, that's, you know, it would, all of us would be falling off the balcony at that point. And it's kind of like that question of, did he jump or was he pushed or did he fall? You know, um, did it's like this, like, Oh, sorry. I was go just going to say is it's like, is he like this because he's like this or is he like this because his father told him he was never going to be a good military man and yelled at him when he didn't hold the flashlight correctly and didn't know how to show him love and on and on, like through the generations. Um, I, I think it's definitely coming down on the side of, well, we just need to stop that. We, <laughs> we need to knock that, that activity off. Uh, and you know, we can do better. And I think that that's, also you know the end ends in a literal rebirth once again and i would hope that 
they've learned something and they have hope for the future, but I don't know that I necessarily do <laughs> having watched the movie. <laughs> Anyone have any thoughts on her friend and the reveal that her friend who seems to be a pretty badass friend, this woman who drives out in the middle of the night to show up out here at this cottage, the reveal that she's pregnant at the end. I wasn't, I, I didn't really quite know what to think of that. Same. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I didn't either. I don't know if just like, oh, I don't just like, I guess you can only maybe like, oh yeah, she's like rallying against all, all these, all these other transgressions against her friend, but like, she's also like, is in a see, maybe happy relationship, maybe going to have a baby, you know, with a man, prob- perhaps if that's going to follow kind of the narrative of what the movie's presenting. Um, so just like, like, I don't know, the duality of it, maybe. I like that. Mm. But a positive representation yeah. of birth and creation versus yeah. what we see at the end of this movie. Right, right. I, I wasn't sure, just, like, what to think of it when she was pregnant, when she got out. and I, But part of it was, I, what I just first thought was, of course, she, no matter, she just knew her friend was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And she was just going to go help her. And then when she got out of the car, I'm like, wow, she did this. And she's like very pregnant. <laughs> she just, yeah. but she's, she's just bad, like, she's badass. Right. Something's going on and I'm helping yeah. my friend. <laughs> I wonder if it's like, if it's, you know, like obviously showing the rebirth of all these toxic men and then having this woman who, who is her friend who is like so like championing for her own uh, uh, autonomy, her friend's autonomy and like being safe. Like, oh, what if like perhaps she, that her friend has a, has a son or something like that or a girl and like they, she raises them in a different, in a, less toxic masculine masculinity way you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't know if that maybe could be something there too of like like that that there is hope in uh like you said beautiful in, in, in creation and stuff and there's there is hope um that it doesn't the cycle can be broken with other people that's what i took I that so. riley will do better than mm-hmm. all these other people i think so and this this isn't an entirely bleak movie because I mean, I would love to talk about her nature walk and just that whole scene as the synthesizer starts and then those classical fire Gregorian kind of vocals start to come in as the storm washes over her. And just, I mean, for me personally, like I've talked about it before, but it's my first time ever going backpacking was also the first time I ever did shrooms when I was 25 and I feel like I had a similar experience to this where I was like so wrapped up in my own head and so convinced that I was unhappy and depressed to then go on a walk similar to this and be amongst the trees and when she stops and just looks at that oak tree I can really relate to that and then I mean, ironically, later on, I believe the green man is sticking oak leaves in his face. But, <laughs> uh, but this, it, I've watched this movie three times now, and I've cried three times at the nature walk scene because I think her performance combined with the music and the cinematography it is just stunning and powerful. And the only reason you cry now is because you took shrooms, right? Isn't that the story you told? That's they they opened an emotional floodgate that never closed. Yeah, so I just started crying at everything. I also cry at literally everything, um, but not because I took shrooms, just because that's my nature. But did you cry at this nature walk? I did, and to me, that was like an yes. introvert's dream. 
Mm-hmm. It's just she was so happy by herself, and then the men all intruded on her happiness and her alone time. That's kind of how I feel every second of every day. <laughs> but um, yes, and and Alex Garland said his favorite scenes to direct were just shooting nature. That was his favorite part. And I was like, I feel you, because that was my favorite part of I, I identified with the with the walking alone in the forest because um, well, my my dad died like uh, five five years ago, and um, that was in, that was in Arizona, and I like came back to Portland, and I just went to Forest Park by myself, which is a huge forest that's just inside the city. Um, but you can get lost there really easily. And I didn't even care. I just started walking around and that's just what I wanted to do. I just wanted to be by myself and walk around and like, I just did the same kind of thing. So it's like, when she started doing that, I'm like, I know exactly what you're going through. Cause that's like, that's what I did. And I, I like the, the juxtaposition of the beautiful healing power of nature and also the fucked up weirdness of the green man, which is also nature. <laughs> also the like the trail was sort of uncanny like her like the way it was sort of se- watching it a second time um just the two tunnels and the one like the tunnel that she is singing down i also have a note here that she's almost like a siren when, yeah. when she's singing in the tunnel uh but and that's what like awakens the the green man but the, so the tunnel, you know, you can see the end of the tunnel. You can see the light of the end of the tunnel, and then she's running and running, and then, or when she runs away from the guy, or I guess it's not the green man. Actually, I was wondering about that because it definitely has an mm-hmm. overcoat. So maybe it was, maybe it was Gregory, or I, I couldn't Jeffrey. tell. Yeah, or Je- Jeffrey. Sorry, and, and um, I even wondered if it was her, if she was seeing a reflection yeah. of herself, because there's, there's like reflections. Mm-hmm. In the water, yeah. is she seeing herself and, and she's trying to warn herself, or she's running away from herself? Yeah, yeah. But definitely, there's no one thing. One thing that I don't I think would, is implied there is. Like, so sorry. Uh, there's that the echo keeps bouncing back and forth as if to imply she's in a sealed chamber, mm-hmm. even though it's an open tube. Yeah, and then, I don't know if this is too basic, but it, this felt a little bit like a like a womb like she's in the creation and then with her song inside this fallopian tube of folklore so i fully creates or births this thing i wrote uh (laughs) later when the vicar's talking to her and he calls her vagina a cave i wrote oh my god is the vagina is the tunnel her vagina question mark question mark question mark (laughs) i think it is i think so too Everything's vaginas. Yeah. Everything's penises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. I do want to give a shout out to a penis being in a movie. That's pretty cool. Multiple penises. There, there's a lot of yeah, penis so in this. So many. Yeah, yeah. That's an there's, that's an Alex just, Garland a, trick. After uh, such a rare rarity. Twenty eight days <laughs> later, basically starts with a penis. <laughs> I guess I should give that a rewatch. Like, I do not remember. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but on that, <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Killian Murphy. But, but, as, <laughs> but for the but as like the tunnel, like how how she like is running away from the tunnel and then like runs into this blocked tunnel was like very 
disturbing mm-hmm. to me and the way it's like the 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 way the scene is set set up cuz it also seems like it's very very close and like well how could this tunnel lead to this tunnel and if that tunnel was open and this one's closed and yeah i just liked just like for the f- purely like filmic like maison scene of it i i really loved um and it was very uncanny to me and, and odd that it looked like a lynch nightmare yeah when yeah. she got to the dead end and she was scared and then she was irritated and then she was pissed off and she turned around i was like yeah. sister yeah <laughs> like jesse buckley is a beast i love her so mm-hmm. much yeah it's really good That's- i need to watch more stuff with her in it she was in that kaufman movie that i haven't seen it has a long i'm thinking of ending things yes i I almost recommended that that book to you but then i was like you might hate it honestly i loved the book i just i just want to see it's like after i saw rebecca hall in the night house Mm -hmm. after seeing jesse buckley and men it's like this is an actor that i want to pursue their work Mm because they're they're so good i have recommendations she is fantastic in uh fargo her season of fargo um who is she in fargo she plays a, uh, a nurse, like a, I believe she's like a hospice nurse, um, with season? some some dark secrets. Is it four? It's the Chris Rock season. Oh, I never oh, saw that one. That okay, one I, I need think. to watch that one. I, <laughs> yeah. I realized I never watched that. Thank yes. you for reminding me. That's... She's also in a movie called Beast with Johnny Flynn. It's really great. And a movie called Wild Rose where she wants to, she's Irish, but she wants to be a country singer. But she's a big fuck up, and it's about her and her mom, and it broke me. My mom died five years ago, and so anything with moms and daughters, like, wrecks me. And the movie Wild Rose, like, destroyed me. It's beautiful. And she can sing. She's amazing. I love her. That's What do you think of her costume in this? I, I love ridiculous. The, the combination <laughs> of... I, I don't know. You tell me what this dress is, but I loved the combination of the dress with the, with the, the leather hiking boots. Mm-hmm. That just a woman dark? who wears. I like I like utilitarian clothes, and She's so like a, a woman in hiking boots is just ass. like that's sexy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you clock the first outfit? The the brown turtleneck with the yeah. pleated sleeves, with the pleated pink pants. With a buckle in the back. I was like, what are you doing? I don't <laughs> understand you, but I love you so much. Yeah, those are great pants. Yeah, I liked all the outfits. I would wear, I'd wear all of them. 10 out of 10, you know? <laughs> yeah. Comfort and fashion. I've, I've worn so many docks with dresses. So, I mean, yeah. just have my feet be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not be cold. So wear a coat over the, over the dress if you yep. have to and wear boots. You know, who cares? Who gives a shit anymore? <laughs> oh, Josh, I made a note. So and when she's in the tunnel and the focus switches uh-huh. from her to the for, to the background, mm-hmm. do you have a special name for that? <laughs> oh, that's a rack focus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, that's a great time, though. I don't know if you guys noticed the... Uh, the way that the greenery swirls around her, even when the camera's sitting still, like it's um, it's very soft bouquet uh, from the anamorphic Excuse lenses. Uh, your dog said that. What did you? What word okay. did you just it's say? 
B-O-K-E-H. What does that mean? It is literally like the shape of the blurs in the background of a, of a shot. Oh. Yeah. I thought you said bouquet, mm-hmm. and then that would, that that would also, also kind of make sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've got some shots pulled up here just as she's going through the greenery, and it is so... There's something very um, uh, organic feeling about when you sh- when you use that like it's got this weird um like you can't quite tell if things are supposed to look like they do but it feels alive and the lens breathes when they do the rack focus it like shifts slightly because there's an imperfection in it and i think that he's really like utilizing those looks to like draw you into this world and make it feel more um uh, make it feel more metaphorical, like, uh, you know, an allegory. Uh, and I don't know. I paired this in my brain really closely with green Knight because I mm. think that they're, they're very complimentary stories focusing on opposite gender issues. Yeah. And Holy the- shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, but they that's both pretty good. I need to watch green Knight again, but that's pretty good. Oh, I love Green Knight. Oh, yeah. Got robbed at the Oscars. Amen. <laughs> so did Pig, but that's a different story. Oh, my Were you heart. a fan of Gawain and the Green Knight before you saw the movie? Or did you know the story before you saw the movie? I did, yeah. Okay, see, I didn't, and so I was so confused with my first watching of the Green Knight, because I, I knew of the story, but I didn't know the beat-by-beat structure of it. Mm-hmm. And that movie's really minimalist. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. So I need to rewatch it after like doing a little bit of studying. Um, Jen or or anybody, uh, there's a lot of there's the nature imagery, but there's the nature in the house specifically. Um, there's the apples and the apple that she brings in, and it sets on the counter. It's the same countertop where the bird lays later, and then the mask is put over the bird. It, I feel like there's something there, and I don't quite grasp it. Um, I don't know if there's like a uh, some kind of metaphorical thread running through these things, um, but something about like the he talks about the house is like four or five hundred years old in parts. You know, it's older than Shakespeare. Uh, and well, the whole the the whole like ap- apple tree. I mean, I immediately think of the first thing she does is pick an apple and eat it. It's, you know, garden, the Garden yeah. of Eden and and her being Eve uh, women's and the green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet again. Damn you. Women. <laughs> the original I thought blame. it was super telling that the vicar. Should have been talking about Adam and Eve and Jezebel and Mary Magdalene and Samson and Delilah, but he doesn't. He talks about Greek mythology mm-hmm. and how it's mm-hmm. all women's fault, but it's not biblical when he mm-hmm. should be talking about the Bible. Like it clearly also, references the Bible, but he doesn't talk about it. Right. He also touches her leg, and I, I was like, oh, uh, yeah. that uh, really, yeah. that was really, yeah. a, oh. That's that like, was a lot of I, I knee not, touch. I did not yeah. hear a word he said when she first met him because he was touching her knee, and I'm like, "Stop it!" Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, and then, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh no, I was just gonna say also when she when she leaves and he feels her hot or her butt. butt. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're kidding. Sure. <laughs> Oh yuck! Uh, sorry, the hot, hot butt air, or <laughs> the, the wood, the wood of the, the seat where her butt was. Yes, yeah. the wood yeah. warmth of her butt. Oh. Oh. Um. So I going don't... back to what Josh said, I felt like the bird with the woman mask on it from the little mm-hmm. boy, um, who to me was the scariest character. I guess probably because God. Oh, sixth sure. grade, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. was very much like women are not real people. Like he was wearing a mask, and then to put the mask on the dead bird and then move it back and forth in a weird motion um, was very much like women are not people. They're objects for me to manipulate and play with. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that was a big thing, but I do think what you talked about, like nature and the, because there's so many windows. And so it's almost like the outside is part of the inside. And there are mm-hmm. lots of houseplants, which I figure Sean would notice. But um, mm-hmm. I do think there's definitely something there about nature being sort of separate from the inner world, but being part of it for sure. And it's like, it's like, it, it, it's uh, even when you try to keep it out, it's encroaching. And there's something about the, uh, because he talks about the TV doesn't work when it rains. Like technology literally doesn't work when there's more nature happening. <laughs> like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I like. Um, yeah, I like. I like it when she first got there, and the, and the house has so many windows, and everything is just so open and beautiful. And I would just love to just stare out those windows all the time. But as the movie goes on and things get scarier, I would just like close the drapes. Why are all these windows here? Yes. <laughs> it's like shut everything yeah. down yeah. and just hide from outside. And it's like that's not how that's not what she wanted to do. <laughs> Um, Josh, one connection with that scene when the the window breaks that I wasn't not quite sure what to think of it is when uh, there's a stool uh, that flies through the window and lands in the kitchen. And earlier we get a very quick flash of James flipping a stool across their apartment floor. Oh, nice. And so just like another parallel of like the violence that happens in this movie. But I get I don't really know what to think about it except i love that jeffrey comes in and um, again with like how many dismissals and transgressions against this woman just to, like just tries to assure her that it was a bird that catapulted itself by 55 miles per hour through this window to cause it to explode <laughs> and in like shards of glass everywhere and it just it, it, Every single turn, this woman is just dismissed repeatedly again and again and again. One question I had at the end of this movie, uh, did any of this really happen or was it just all part of her trauma and grieving Mm -hmm. process? Because I just kind of, that's what what I just kept thinking about it. So one thing I thought was she got to this house and she, she did meet Jeffrey and then every all his little microaggressions towards her kind of also set off this thing. And then everything else is just what she was kind of going through. And it's like, maybe she went to a pub, maybe not. I mean, it looks like she did crash her car at some point. But other than that, it's like those things, it's like that can kind of tie back together with the imagining that stool and then having this stool fly in there. It's like it's just her trying to, like, process all these things that happened to her or she's experienced in life. And but none yeah. of this because. Not everybody can look like Rory Kinnear. 
<laughs> I think one one thing that no, how much they want to, <laughs> one idea that supports that Connie is the the interruptions on her cell phone, and more specifically, oh, yeah. where she gets those really violent text messages and caps like, "I know where you are, you bitch." Yeah, and it's almost like she could be imagining that those are like the super aggressive text messages mm-hmm. that she used to get from James back in the day. Yeah. And the the interruption in the FaceTime where you see the screaming mouth, I was like, yeah. okay, is that her mouth? Because she screams when mm-hmm. James dies, when she's in the bathtub, when she hits Jeffrey. And is that her mouth that she's seeing, like a reflection of herself? Like there's constant reflections, 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 whether it's in mirrors, in windows, in water. Josh, and was that bathtub shut a perfect blue homage? Man, even Darren Aronofsky's got me confused about what is and isn't a perfect blue homage these days. They're not allowed to use it because Darren, <laughs> Darren Aronofsky owns it, right? Well, that's the thing. Are we talking? Are you talking about the perfect blue of uh, the anime? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that's, there's that's, a shot where there's a shot where yeah. the woman yeah. That's from above. That, that, I would say that uh, that is definitely not a perfect, perfect blue. He, uh, Aronofsky, uh, though, claims that he didn't know he's not referencing perfect blue in Requiem for a Dream, but it is clearly that same shot. Uh, and then yeah. he later tried to buy the rights for perfect blue to remake <laughs> it and then made Black Swan. And you're like, these are very similar uh, movies. Yeah, it's a whole, it's ooh. a whole thing. S- speaking of anime, um, did did has anyone watched Attack on Titan or heard of that anime? I've heard of it. Never seen it though. I hear it's good. It's it's really amazing. It has some like kind of uh difficult I haven't I haven't finished it, but supposedly has some difficult uh um politics in it. But anywho, he so Alex Garland saw his like daughter was watching it and she said, Dad, you gotta come watch this. And so they started watching it together and he Talks. There's some interviews with him, um, or he's been he had written men. It took him like 15 years. Like he was going back and forth with it, um, with the writing of this movie. And he, when he saw Attack on Titan, it just he just said it was like this really incredible um, creation, and that it kind of wanted to. He wanted to up his game after seeing it. And it, I mean, I definitely recommend watching it. It's really incredible and like just an intense anime. But, um. Real briefly, it's basically like the equivalent of like a mecha anime, but instead of it being like um, giant robots, it's just these giant people, humans. So it's like fleshy, flesh, robe, flesh, uh, giant flesh monsters that look like people <laughs> um, <laughs> that eat that eat that eat regular sized people. But um, the the image, some of the imagery at the very end of Men when the they're being birthed, like. He he does have a um he talks a little bit about like the imagery in Attack on Titan of the the Titans the big monster humanoid creature things are so like disturbing looking and just like sort of um grotesque enough where they're both silly and really terrifying and I thought that was interesting like it definitely the end I mean it's it the ending is so silly and also so grotesque and um just i thought it was really neat that he got you know uh he that seeing watching attack on titan made him want to 
like push his movie specifically men like further um and the idea of like ha- the the grotesque and the silly butting up against each other um i like I that the births get progressively more and more <laughs> corrupted where we start essentially with like two vaginal births and then the third person born is like from the vagina in between the shoulder blades <laughs> that comes out behind somebody's neck and then the last yeah. guy is just born feet first breached straight out the mouth mm-hmm. and so it's just like this corruption with each cycle becomes more and more broken and distorted mm-hmm. well and even the green man his screams were like operatic and almost not about pain it was oh. almost joyful and he was smiling at points like he was enjoying the creation and then the second birth is the boy giving birth and it's so traumatic to him that i think that mm. was interesting that the first birth seems not traumatic and then after that it just gets progressively worse and worse yeah what do you think the first time you saw this and you see the, I mean, like, first you see the, the belly swell of the green man. Did you immediately go pregnancy? Did you immediately go, we're about to see a birth? Just, what was your reaction? Did people in the theater freak out? I, what happened when you saw this birth scene? I, I just thought, oh, this is just some weird shit that's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this could be bursting out of the belly. I, I did not yeah. expect the actual... Like, like alien, alien style, yeah. yeah. Gonna have a little xenomorph. <laughs> <laughs> and him, that first birth, you can see both sets of genitalia at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. I found to be interesting. And then the oh. boy has little tiny boy pubes, like little <laughs> puberty pubes. Which I was like, that's a full choice for <laughs> Alex Like you shows cute one one thought that did cross my mind was that the the look of elation on the green man's face as it births someone else is men were able to circumvent the need for women and men are Uh, now possess the the ability to create even if it is broken as fuck but now there's joy in the fact that we the green man no longer needs a woman mm -hmm. the fertility counterpart to him in order for life to happen oh so something i did not get like the dandelions to me were just like the seeds spreading which is the Mm -hmm. whole like men going um um monogamy is bullshit i should spread my (laughs) seed to all the women um but then i looked it up a little bit after i'd made that decision that's what it was about and um apparently dandelions are clones of each other like all the little seeds are clones of the original dandelion so they spread out and literally create themselves over and over and over again which i was like okay that that works yeah damn and so then like the dandelion goes into the deer and then i was like oh that's life but then there were maggots all over it and Mm -hmm. i was like well that's death but mm-hmm. it was, it did seem like the dandelion going into the eye birthed the maggots, mm-hmm. which then restart the cycle of 
life mm-hmm. essentially because before that it was just an empty carcass mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then after that zoom out it zooms into the skull and then we it flashes with the green man and the feminine fertility sculptures you're trying not to say vagina and there's maggots all over (laughs) no i'm trying to sound scholarly and say fertility sculpture he he avoided saying it by saying fallopian tube earlier even though i've said said penis like five times and i've definitely said yes you're obsessed with penises but not with vagina sean what's wrong with you yeah it's okay to think about vaginas damn it do i have to watch this movie again yeah did i miss the point you're not getting it <laughs> One more go around. I'll Soon get it. As soon as we're done, we're starting it over. Yes. <laughs> we'll live tweet it. <laughs> did did anyone notice that she that she doesn't actually see the other side of the sculpture? She mm. she only sees the green man oh, yeah. side. And then when she's having her like flashes and flashes and flashes at the end, she's on the other side of the um whatever the holy water i don't know what it is i'm not kind of like or whatever but she's on the other side of it so we can see the green man so she should be on the side of the vagina woman but mm-hmm. we don't see her have a reaction to that mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah yeah and then like you said as we we're watching it is that a vagina in the sky i say yes <laughs> yeah the vagi- vaginas are, are everywhere i was gonna say even the um the valley that she's walking in between the tunnels i was like is it is it she comes she comes back up out of it i, I don't know mm-hmm. everything yeah. and that's point. why she's happy yes. and then she's scared yeah because a man is chasing her into it uh, <laughs> Every, every moment of possible female joy, except for the last one, um, is interrupted, <laughs> interrupted. Like the technology screwing them over during their phone calls. Mm-hmm. Like whether it is her brain working at, at that level or if it's actually what we're seeing. Like there's something about the technology being a masculine force. I feel like where it's like, like nope. You women are laughing together. We can't have that. Let's take that away. Uh, That's how I felt about the piano, too. Like, she plays for joy mm -hmm. by herself. And she tells her friend, actually, I do play the piano, but she tells Jeffrey she doesn't. And so my thought was, was she making herself smaller to make him bigger? Because he Mm. expected, like, gratitude and whatever. Or was she just trying to avoid the conversation so he would mm-hmm. shut the fuck up and leave her alone. Yeah. I, I kind of thought that second part, yeah, or also yeah. Uh, him say, oh, play something for me, and she'd be like, yes. no, I don't want to. I don't want to play for you. <laughs> right, right. I- I'd say definitely, like, the latter. Like, I- yeah, like, I've I've, I've done it before. I'm like, just leave me the fuck alone. Like, no, I don't know what this is. Yeah. You know what? I've done, I've done that. I've probably done that this past week just to get people to, generally, men to leave me alone. And it's like, not, you know, not in like a... Just in general, day to day, you know, I barely leave my house, but occasionally when I do, I get very annoyed very quickly. Yeah, there's some times where I know I have something in common with someone, but I don't actually like them very much. So when they just start talking about it, I just act like I have never seen or read or whatever they're talking about. Yeah. I'm like, hmm, and I'm like, nope, not even going to start that conversation because I don't want to have a conversation yeah. with them. <laughs> I, freak- I right. frequently shut up because I, I hate the, how do you know that? And it's like, 
because I pay attention to the world, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you, you know not that? know? Like, how about we have that conversation? How do you not know what I know? God, I know. <laughs> or why don't you just leave me alone and let me live? I remember when I started yeah. at my job and I was telling someone about six months in all the stuff that I knew and they had been there for years and they're like, well, how did you learn this? I'm like, I read things. I'm like, what are you talking right. about? <laughs> I apologize for being good at my job. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for paying attention. <laughs> Sorry for annoying you with my knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Like the, in the office for Andy, it's like sorry for annoying you with my friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. It's. I did think the piano thing specifically um, reminds me. There's a uh, uh, a teen girl punk band called The Regrets that I introduced my daughter to a few years ago, and we got to go see them in concert. And like they did an all female mosh pit. They were like. No, no men allowed. Everyone, all the dudes stand around the edge of the crowd um, and you can pick people back up and that's all you can do. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, look, mm -hmm. I'm getting emotional because I'm thinking about that time that I had with my daughter. Oh. <laughs> but, oh. but No, that room, Josh. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But there's specifically a line in one of their songs where uh, the lead singer says, um, I, I won't twirl for you in my little skirt. Like, mm -hmm. and the whole song's about, you know, I'm, you think I'm this dumb girl and I'm not, I'll kick your ass mm -hmm. even in my skirt. Like she's got all this female imagery pressed up against the, uh, being able to stand up to the band, which I think, you know, it's one of those things of like, you do have these little moments of, of defiance, I think where, um, she just says, no, I'm I'm not going to entertain this man by playing him a song on the piano so then he can condescend mm -hmm. to me and tell me how good I did. It's, you know, I'm not going to invite that into my life. I don't need that. Damn. Yeah, kind of like what, what you said kind of reminded me of like how she was wearing this dress that was very feminine, but then she also had those hiking boots on, which were not. And uh, that kind of um, when I was younger, being told that, you know, all these things that I needed to do because I was a girl. And, and so it's like, I was supposed to wear dresses and all this other stuff. And I refused because it's like, no, don't basically just went so stubborn. I'm like, no, I'm not going to because you're telling me what to do. But then as I've gotten older, I was like, oh, you know what? I actually love wearing dresses and all these other things because it's like, I am choosing to do it. Not because anyone is telling me that I have to do it because I'm a girl. And, and so maybe that's like her thing of like being that feminine, but also just wearing those comfortable shoes with it. And, and that that's part of like, that's her choice. Yeah. Um. Did anybody else clock, um, like, what is it? The first time that we see uh, the naked man at the house, it's in the background of the shot, and it's right as soon as she gets on the phone with, I assume, a male colleague. It's like hmm. as soon as she invites male energy, it it just like I didn't oh, think about that. Yeah. I didn't think Shit. about that either. <laughs> Damn! Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm talking with one guy, and here, here's mankind here's dicks out just showing up uh, and invading my space. 
Because you know the dude on the other end of that call was like this broad, like uh-huh. <laughs> trying to tell me how to do my job. Well, and that's mm-hmm. what she does on the call. She like is showing somebody up because they're like, oh, they won't have any. She says they won't have any profits or some business terms or whatever. Right. Uh, but it basically sounds like she knows what she's talking about. And the other person is kind of an idiot <laughs> yeah. when, when she makes that call and she's doing it in a kind way. But it definitely is like, why didn't you think about that kind of a thing? I did think when he's in the background, when she's talking to Riley and taking her on the tour of the house, the way he spread his arms across the window and took up that whole pane of the window was very man spready. Like he was taking up so much of the shot. I thought that was interesting. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. just, I felt like that wasn't just the director calling attention to him in the background because we clearly saw him. The way that he spread his arms and his legs in that shot, I thought was very him taking up space when she was trying to not take up space. She was like, do you really want this tour? Like, I'm kind of done talking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. The uh, when you said man spreading that. I have become hyper aware, like I didn't think it was a thing, like I never paid attention um, because I generally don't sit that way. I sit like. Right now, I'm sitting on my own foot, right? Like, I sit folded That's up. weird, because I have my legs spread and wrapped around the legs of the chair that I'm sitting in. <laughs> it's perfect. I'm, I'm man-spreading currently, just for the visual for all the podcast listeners. I, you know, I um, I don't know if this is going to bring the mood down, but that, that does remind me of a story um, of, like, uh, my friend and I, I used to work... Um, for the purposes of the story, I won't say exactly which grocery store I worked at, but I worked at a grocery store up until about a, almost a year ago. And my coworker, who is a woman, one of my coworkers, we were like, just watch when you're walking down an aisle with another coworker, or towards another coworker who is a man, who's a man, and watch and see if they move or you have to move mm-hmm. before. And we did that, and they would, we would run into each other. And then there was one coworker who I had some harassment issues with, and did up until for what until up until I quit. Um, and, uh, he was walking to, I was carrying like a big box of like wine, like a case of wine that I was going to put on the shelf. And he was walking towards me with nothing, nothing. And he, this felt antagonistic. This was an antagonistic move on his end, I believe. But like he walked towards me, he wouldn't move. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to move. I don't have anywhere to go. And he runs into me and then he reports me for harassing him. And then I get written up. Look because what I, you I, did I intag- to me, he says. Yeah, look what you did to me. You ran yes. into me with that box of wine. You were in my way. You have a problem with me. And it's like, yeah, I do have a problem with you because he's harassed me since day one. But like, you know, like, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, talking through all this, is just, I had therapy yesterday, but this feels like therapy part two. <laughs> Honestly, holy cow. Men give birth it's to men, ex. give birth to men, like working uh-huh. in a junior high. Yeah. The boys in general, but very particularly, mm-hmm. um, I hope nobody that I know listens to this because I'll get fired. <laughs> but the athletes who are mm-hmm. told that they're the leaders of the school and mm-hmm. whatever, it's such bullshit. The way that they walk shoulder to shoulder and literally sweep the hallways, not just clean of other students, but of me who is required to be in the hallway to monitor the students, like mm-hmm. will run into me as a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah who is supposed to have authority, which is such an illusion yeah. um, because they need to take up more space while 
younger kids, but specifically girls, make themselves smaller and take up Mm -hmm. the least amount. Even me, like I'm a, again, the illusion of authority, want to take up the least amount of space possible so Mm -hmm. as not to get in anyone's way, get knocked down, (laughs) get harassed, whatever. It's ridiculous that that is still because we talk about like oh the next generation that's our hope that's our hope and i'm like and part of it is maybe because of where i'm from but Mm -hmm. um it really is like oh no we just keep giving birth to the same bullshit yeah yeah over and over and over again and we teach them that that's the way they're supposed to act Right. Well, that Instagrammer, that that really misogynistic dude that just got banned. I remember like reading. I don't remember his name. And it probably is best to not promote him on here anyway. But (laughs) so it's probably best I just block that out. But he was like very popular with like middle school and high school boys. You know who I'm talking about? I saw that he got banned from all the things. Yeah. Thank God, because it's like I, um, you know, I have other friends who also teach, too. And they were just talking about how these kids talked about this guy like these boys did and how they were like. Well, he says this, I'm going to treat other women or other people like this and whatever. And it's like, so it's just, it's not, for every, all, all the progress that we make, there's still, you know, it's not, it's, it's really frustrating that it's so ingrained and people like still ascribe to it. And you can realize all you want to, that it's not their fault, that they're told it and they're whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Radicalized or whatever. But now we also have, you know. Now we also have the internet and social media and everything, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's why you get, can get guys like that guy. Well, the guy that yeah got banned, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And that's what like when you look at the the kid in the movie Samuel, like he he tells the vicar to fuck off, and the vicar instead of meeting him with what you think the a, a clergyman would meet him with meets him with you first and mm-hmm. then she tells the vicar the same thing twice like fuck off mm-hmm. and you're like okay he mm-hmm. he should be the heart of the community if we're mm-hmm. to believe what we believe as a, and i don't like whatever but like i see mm-hmm. so many kids who wear that like their religion on their sleeve as mm-hmm. Mm-hmm like protection against I'm not a great person. They do something bad and then they mm-hmm. talk about the good things they do at church. And I'm like, baby, I see you like mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. Your bad behavior. No, it doesn't. <laughs> like you can't do one thing and excuse all the bad stuff that you've done. Like you still treated someone like garbage. I mean, that's Catholicism in a nutshell. That's why you go and you do your repentance towards the priest every, mm-hmm. every week is <laughs> so like, Oh, well, forgive me father for I've done X, Y, and Z. Oh, you're good. Yeah. And I'll do so. the same thing this week. Don't worry. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But I'll come back next week and apologize for it again. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be right. good. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> so the first time I saw this movie, I I knew there was something weird with the casting. And I, I, I thought that Jeffrey and the priest were pl- both played by Rory Kinnear. Sean. I did not pick up on the mechanic that he's every single guy what? in this movie essentially <laughs> i j- i God connie i part of my face blindness heart. okay <laughs> but i don't so, know how you picked that i love 
it was like it was like when I read that afterward when I got home and like looked at like Reddit and saw people like wow Rory Kinnear was so good at every guy I was like oh, my, my mind was blown but I I like that one because of uh, what you said about the dandelion being a clone each of those little seed parachute guys um, but also by Rory Kinnear playing every guy I think it's easy for guys like myself or Josh to distance ourselves and say that, oh, those are other men who are misogynistic pigs, but that does not absolve us of responsibility. And so by putting Rory Kinnear in every role, it's telling men, hey, you guys need to see yourself in mm -hmm. each other and realize that you're not individuals and you're not out here by yourself, that you have, there's responsibility as, as a whole. Not just for ourselves, but for us to also be responsible for the actions of other men. Listen, Sean, hashtag not all men. <laughs> That's right. That's it. But, but also That's hashtag right. every man. Yes. yes. Hashtag some of the men all of the time. <laughs> not all of the men all of the yes. time. Some, but some, some of, of the, the time. Wait, all of, no. Some of them. Yes. yes. Is that going to be the title of this uh, episode? Yes. Everything, everywhere, all at men. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. Except for the man in that movie who was lovely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Wayman. Oh, <laughs> Let's all start now. <laughs> God, that movie. Oh, man. Lord, when are you going to do that movie? When are you gonna... Yeah. We have us all That's... back. You should have us Please. all four of us back <laughs> for yes. that movie. I can pull out my hot dog fingers. <laughs> exactly. I would... This has been one of my favorite recordings, so I would love to have all four of you back. This has been so much fun. Nice. Can we it's talk like real quick before you make us leave about Greek mythology? Because we're reading a book about Greek mythology. Yes, so, I three would of love us? to. We are reading the Song of Achilles, <gasps> which then led to me. Oh my god! Oh my god, Courtney, you read it too? Oh my god, magic! Yeah, but I just talked about that book the other day with uh, some folks I'm doing improv with, and we all like lost our shit. That book, I read it years ago, and I think about it at least once a week. It's perfect. Have it's you read halfway through it? Have you read the one yes. about Cersei? <gasps> yeah. And she's writing another one about Persephone and Hades. I need oh. her to write one about Clysemnestra. Yes. I can't even say it now because I've had a bottle of wine, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I Agamemnon's but, wife. Oh, but Which is who Achilles. I want to talk about. So when the vicar is, so is talking his nonsense about Greek mythology <laughs> instead of about the Bible. And he talks about Agamemnon's wife, Clytemnestra. Mm -hmm killing him and it's being it being her fault when he sacrificed his daughter for the wind so that their boats would move and he comes home with his war bride and their children together and his wife is like fuck you dude and murders him in the bathtub but the vicar's point of view is it's the woman's fault. And he was away fighting a war that was a woman's fault because it was Helen of Troy's fault. And it's all like the woman, the woman, the woman. Look at what the woman made the man do. And then look at what the woman did to the man. She caused his death. It just sent me over the edge. And then she was like, what the fuck are you? And he was like, a swan. I was like, fucking Zeus. Why are you such a rapist? What is wrong with yeah. you? Why are you hiding as a nice person when yeah. you're a monster? 
So he's there. I had to look it up. He's quoting a play by Yeats called Lita and the Swan. Mm -hmm. And the line that he quotes, I believe, is a shudder in the loins engenders there the broken wall, the burning roof and tower and Agamemnon dead. Yep. So if you want to be smart and scholarly, uh, (laughs) join our discord and tell me what what Yeats meant by that poem. And I'll give you bonus points because his wife killed him because he murdered their daughter. Oh, sorry, you're not Explain there. it to me like I'm five. Okay, so Agamemnon <laughs> is fighting a war. He's a good a man or a bad man? Agamemnon is the king. You're already there, Sean. Agamemnon <laughs> is the king. His brother is Menelaus, who is married to Helen of Troy. So he's fighting a war because his brother's wife got taken by a hotter guy. <laughs> right? That's what happened to the best Orlando of us. Bloom steals his wife. <laughs> yeah. And All he's Brian room. Cox or Brendan <laughs> Gleason. I don't remember which one. And it's like, <laughs> no. But Orlando Bloom is way hotter than Brian exactly. Cox. Exactly. So Helen of Troy is like, <laughs> yes, please, why. sir. I will go with you to your castle yeah. and live with you forever. So they go fight a war and they kill a bunch of people. And Agamemnon goes home. After... On the way there, he kills their daughter. He takes their daughter and says, I'm going to marry her off to a prince. But instead, he, no, not Kira Knightley. She's not in that movie. <laughs> and kills her <laughs> on the boat to get wind. Because they're like, that in just the happened trips. in the book. Yes, it did mm-hmm. this week. He kills her after promising to marry her off. And he, he murders her and goes off and fights the war for years and years and years and years and years and, years. and takes. Cassandra as his war bride and has babies with her and then brings her and the kids home to his wife who is now fucking his cousin and she's like you murdered our daughter and he's like yeah and I fought a war like what I won a war and she kills him and so the vicar is like spoilers for this book that it won't happen in the book but (laughs) she kills him and the vicar's point of view is fucking women. Look at what she did to this man. Yeah. Fucking bitches. Am I right, guys? Or am I right? What? And it was all a woman's fault with to them. begin with. I, I uh, can't live with them. That's the peanut. Come on. I got to tell, gotta tell the so, story. <laughs> Take my wife, please. And at least finish it. <laughs> Women can't live with them past the peanut. Sorry, and then he says, "You're singing to me like she's a siren," and then talks about her, her how her vagina is a cave, and he wants to live in it. That's like kind of like insulting. It's like uh, her pussy's probably very small. Thank you. Thank it's you very, very much, small sir. It's not a fucking the Grand Canyon. Don't tell me it's a cave. So I'll tell you. <laughs> I, there's nothing wrong with the big either. And then he splits his one hand and puts it on both sides of her neck, mm. and I oh. wanted to vomit. Yeah, that was so gross. Is that not a good move? No. I've been trying that out <laughs> at the bars. Some like some like some fucking like You're Star Trek shit. Dead, just Grant. like <laughs> put that in your day. No also, is it is it not a good move to ask a woman if she's an expert in carnality? Because that's what right. I've been leading with. And immediately ask her when she lost her virginity, because that's all you can oh, think God. about. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? When did you lose your virginity? <laughs> Are you an expert in carnality? Is your vagina I'm a still case? single, and I don't know what's going on. You want to see my hand I trick? Think- <laughs> yeah, let me, let me show you my flipper. <laughs> 
I gotta say, are you an expert in carnality? Is a great pickup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Depending on where you're uh, hanging out, that could work. That would that would get that would get that would get me going. I will say, one time I got hit on, and this is when Game of Thrones was still like at its height, and some guy just walks up to me, and I'm like, all right, you know, whatever. And he's like, do you fuck with Game of Thrones? And I was like, I <laughs> and I was like, I do actually. <laughs> That's amazing. <I laughs> just so seriously. <laughs> Yeah, it's just very serious about just seriously. Do you fuck with Game of Thrones? <laughs> Courtney, it's back. Yeah, I know. I know it is. I Are you watching? It. I am watching it and I'm ready to fall in love and be hurt again. I'm ready. You know what's funny? I was talking shit before it started. I was like, who needs it? Who's asking for it? But who it's cares? Good. Who's sitting in front of their goddamn TV each Sunday night oh, watching yeah. this goddamn show? Oh, Me. Yeah. That's yes. who. I'm ready Hook, for line, it. and sinker. I'm fully sucked in again just so they can rip my heart out <laughs> You're and a stamp sucker. on it in the dirt. Yes. I, I'm Are you obsessed with the incest of it all? Has that started yet? Because no, you know it's but coming. like also, I really don't like that I have to look at Matt Smith's stupid face every week. He's a weird face. What's going on with his face? It's really him to have eyebrows. Like it. It's not okay. Yeah. They keep having them play like the sexy man and things like in a night last night in yeah. Soho and a bunch of and like and even in Morbius he was like this this like suave villain and I'm just like this this fucking Neanderthal okay yeah. <laughs> with the forehead that like goes over his nose sure <laughs> sorry I'm really mean I'm <laughs> telling you it's the lack of eyebrows I agree with everything you're saying and if they thought that his eyebrows were not a spoiler for last night in Soho like I'm here to tell you I knew from the trailer. You can't put someone with no eyebrows and then someone no. with eyebrows and expect me not to notice. I know. I know. And like, why, he just was, he's just creepy looking. I'm sure he's a pleasant man. I liked him in Doctor Who just fine. You know, I don't know. <laughs> he's what do no I know? Christopher I, Eccleston. Come oh, on. I just realized who you're talking you, I just realized who Matt, Matt Smith yeah. is. He's forehead guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's forehead guy. Mr. Forehead. Okay, there he is. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay, speaking yeah. of Doctor Who, I do want to point out that um, Alex Garland did deal with the alpha male sensitive boy um, juxtaposition in 28 Days Later with Christopher Eccleston and Killian mm. Murphy, and also in um, Never Let Me Go, like mm-hmm. sweet, sweet Andrew Garfield. Love of my life. Who was life. also in Doctor Who. Yes. Who was in Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> He played a Southern man, <laughs> a Southern American man in Doctor Who. God love his heart. Oh, I love Andrew Garfield. Oh. <laughs> so, um, did you, have you read the book of Never Let Me Go? I started it, but didn't finish it. Like I was in a, in a raw emotional place and had to put it to the side to come back later, which I haven't been prepared for yet. We should do Just- it for book club. Uh, the fact that the same dude wrote Never Let Me Go in The Remains of the Day, like, <laughs> like I can't handle that, that much uh, emotional torment between those two <laughs> things. That is, uh, yeah, I absolutely love both of those, and uh, they hurt so well. But the Alex Garland of it, um, the weird thread right is he wrote the tesseract and the beach uh the the novels and then they didn't let uh, danny boyle make the bloody version of the beach that happened in the book so they toned it down because they wanted the the teenagers to go see leo um because of that 
uh, Danny and Alex had a chip on their shoulder and wanted to make something as bloody as possible. So they made 28 Days Later <laughs> on a micro budget when they could a few years later. Uh, and that led to Alex Garland's rise and him getting to do all of these projects that, where he's writing and directing, which I think is just fascinating. It's one of those like, you know, you get to see all the dominoes fall in real time as going through this man's career and bringing us, you know, I think much better and more interesting entertainment as he goes on. Um, and Connie, I don't, I get yeah. the idea that you didn't like the end of devs. I was more, I was more into devs as it went on. I was <laughs> least sold at the beginning. And I was like, this is gimmicky. Oh, I liked it up until like the very end. And then I was like, mm. I was just Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I leave each of his movies with a lot on my plate to think about. And Ex Machina, I wonder, wait, am I'm am I the rube that just got conned and like I'm proof that like the Torian test works? Because you would date a robot. I'm wouldn't the you? one that felt things <laughs> oh, I would totally for this fall robot. For a robot. I would fall for, yeah, I would totally fall for a robot. I would t- I didn't know I would until I watched that movie and then I'm like, okay, apparently I'm gonna fall in love with a robot uh-huh. if I'm presented with the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh turn your Siri off now sean i'm concerned for you <laughs> uh, annihilation like... makes me think about like creation and everything go ahead courtney i was gonna say like your love story is gonna be like joaquin phoenix and her mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. i fucking love that movie i did too it's like mm-hmm. i i think that movie is so fucking beautiful mm-hmm. and perfect and mm-hmm. like retro futuristic and scarlett johansson is really good and Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. I just love that movie. One of my favorite movies of like the past decade. I love she grows bigger than him and she's just like, goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) 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 But what if you're more like uh, Ryan Gosling in Blade Runner 2049? Oh, Lord. Lars and the Real Girl. girl. Lars and the Real Girl. Gosling has done it twice. Yeah, he has. Did you see that on Instagram, <laughs> Courtney? I made that joke. I posted a picture of um, Blade Runner 2049 and captioned it, Lars and the Real Girl 2006 yes. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love funny. it. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Another good, both good movies. Damn. <laughs> Reminded me of being in college again. Mm. So does anyone have any other notes or anything that we skipped over? Last things that you wanted to mention here. So in the making of Alex Garland talks about how um, people thinking like not interpreting the movie different ways and it feeling like it was ambiguous or whatever. And he talked about how he definitely had an intention when he made it, but that um, artists no longer control their art once they put it out into the world. And it's open to interpretation. And that was like my original review of it was that art is, whether it's a book or a movie or whatever, is a conversation between the artist and the consumer. And that everybody has a different way of interpreting based on your own experiences. And that to me, like I I appreciated that he, instead of being like dumbass, you didn't get it, which I've been you know, in Q and A's with directors where that was their point of view and it affected how I felt about their movie. Mm -hmm. Um, He was, 
I didn't, it's not like I necessarily disagree with what he, he felt about the movie. I don't think, but um, the whole it's out into the world and it's up to the viewer to decide how they feel about it. I appreciated that point of view. Yeah, I uh, intentionally did not read anything about this movie before I watched it, and then also before we had this recording, because I didn't want to know what anyone else's interpretation Mm -hmm. was until we got here and had this conversation. So, like, when I watched it with a few of you earlier, a few days ago, I was like, oh, my God, I have so many thoughts, but I'm just going to wait for the podcast. And so it's like, because I also wanted to process what I thought about it. And so I really appreciate that you wanted us all back here Sean and Josh, and that I really enjoyed talking to everybody about this and hearing everyone's thoughts about it because I really did want to talk about it and just hear what other people thought about it because it's like I knew just a lot going on and just hearing everyone's thoughts made me realize just how much more was going on in this movie than I even realized because I only saw it that one time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, it was the third time I watched it when we all watched it together. So I was trying really hard not to say anything. <laughs> I was just like saying like very surface level. I was trying not to like delve yeah. too much so that you guys could have your own points of yeah. view about it and not put my right. thoughts into Thank your you heads. for coming back because you've enlightened me and made me think about things that I had not thought of before. One, just one small example is the female cop. I had not considered that she was dismissing this woman as an act to try to fit in with her coworkers mm-hmm. and those dudes. And I hadn't even really thought about, you know, women kind of sacrificing other women in order to get by themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, this was great. Um, I, I said at the beginning of this podcast, like, I like the movie and I think it was because it was so hard for me to watch because just like coming fresh out, like, I just think I maybe should have timed it differently because I came fresh out of therapy and then I was like, I'm going to watch this movie because I'm doing this podcast. I have the free time and then watching that, it's kind of having everything kind of compounded and it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, anxiety inducing, but also cathartic to watch and validating at the same time. And it was, um, I'm still trying to process it too. I probably will watch it again. Uh, just like after we did this, after you know, when we when we finish up here, because um, yeah, it just kind of really like uh, stirred some stuff up inside of me too. That I'm like, oh wow, this is um, yeah. There's still stuff that like just the, the subtleties. I think was really what really got me. Like you know, not the big grandiose gestures like in the movie, but yeah, just the microaggressions really like mm-hmm. stuck with me and kind of unearthed some things. So um, yeah, this was. Very, very good to be able to talk. I'm thankful we were able to talk about this in, you know, both higher educational, like cinematic, cinephile way, but also as people. Yeah, this was this was really great. And I'm actually going to therapy tomorrow. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> this Perfect. Will, this will I'm gonna have some more to talk about <laughs> as well. Yeah, this was this was great. It was really awesome talking to to y'all and meeting and meeting um Jen, you for the first time in like more screen times and seeing Connie again and meeting you, Courtney, for the first time. It's been great. Likewise. And I do appreciate that you guys asked women to be on it. I talked to another yeah. friend um, on Sunday who has a podcast. And I was like, yeah, we're, I'm going to do a podcast about men. And it's, you know, two white men. And they were like, we should invite all the women because we shouldn't be the ones <laughs> to talk about it. And he was like, um, yeah. So we talked about it on our podcast, but it was just the two white men. Cause the guy who wasn't white wasn't there. And I was like, mm-hmm. you didn't ask me to Jen. Okay. Right. Friend. Believe me, my, my opinion exists out there in mass. 
I'm well represented. We don't need any more white dudes with beards talking about like feminism and their takes on it and everything. Like, let's let's just hear from people who actually experience it. When you are know? you doing a Star Wars season? Oh. Oh. Don't put jo- don't put ideas in Josh's head. Oh Do you God. see that look I, in his face? I can't like, even yeah, we'll do it. I can't even watch them. Although, <laughs> although I can't. I can't. I had a whole thing with someone the other day. Uh, oh, no. oh my god <laughs> oh you you had a to-do about star wars with someone yes uh, they've all was it with previous guest dustin no it was not i although poor dustin yeah. gets steamrolled by being a marvel and star wars fan this poor guy nicest Aww. guy in the world and gets nothing but shit for it <laughs> <laughs> um i did want to have my uh my well actually man moment which is the dorkiness of, I was wondering if um, uh, Sonoya Mizuno was going to be in this movie because she is in uh, Ex Machina, Annihilation, and Devs, and she plays the voice on the phone in this movie, and I was so excited. The 999 operator, right? Yes, yes. I was so excited. And Sean, if you don't remember her, she is also apparently in House of the Dragon. Masaria. Who was she in Annihilation? Um, she. And what fate does she meet? Oh gosh, I don't remember. She's in the dancing scene in Ex Machina. Yes. And she's There's the lead in dance. People in the dancing scene. <laughs> yeah. And oh wait, but she's not. She's not Alicia Vikander. No, that is correct. <laughs> Gotcha. Um, and she's the main character she's, in We talked about her in the Annihilation episode because she um is she plays a character and then she also plays the the shape because she was a, a dancer, like a ballet dancer previously. So she plays the Natalie Portman double uh, shape. Michael Myers? Yes. Yes. She plays Michael Myers <laughs> in Annihilation. What's the shape? <laughs> the the humanoid. Oh, okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. I'm with you now. COVID. Yep. Sure. COVID brain. That's what it is. Oh, no, Sean, you do, oh. after this, you do seem very tired. After the this, past Sean, nine go months. To, go to YouTube and just uh, type in Ex Machina dancing theme. Because you just watched it again anyway. I didn't look scene. at her at all in the dancing scene. I was all Oscar Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> my eyes were fully glued to Oscar Isaac. Oh, my God. I love that man. <laughs> he has a he has a good nose, <laughs> nice little hook nose. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. has character. Like it, it tells yep. a story. It'll read you a poem. Yeah. <laughs> Adrian Brody's nose will tell you a whole novel. Oh man! If he wasn't an asshole, which he seems like he's a complete asshole, and if he knew who I existed, those yeah. are a few factors. <laughs> then he might have a chance. <laughs> Yeah, Adrian, might have a honestly, I find people more attractive when they don't know I exist than when they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fair. There's a whole list. <laughs> Has anyone seen Brody Quest? No. No. Okay, I will post this to the, the Discord and, and share it with y'all. It is 
purely beautiful art um and it is hilarious and i don't want to describe it at all but if anyone is listening out there go google brody quest (laughs) brody quest is adrian brody painting roy scheider's character in jaws over and over and over again it's like recursive right (laughs) yes yes that's what it is my jokes are getting worse we gotta end this episode (laughs) let's go around the circle let's uh Give your review of this movie out of five, and then whatever you want to plug, whether it's a, a personal thing, a movie, a book you read, anything like that. So, uh, Virginia, let's start with you. Oh, man. Okay. Um, oh, okay. I'm going to give this movie, it's out of five stars, right? Yes. So, I will give it four stars. We do accept at- half stars. I'll I'll do four stars and a heart. Yeah. Josh accepts hearts. I do not. (laughs) Oh my, they're they're the rules. That says so much. That tells me everything. (laughs) It does. And Virginia, do you have anything to plug? If anyone wants to look at at my Instagram art stuff, I do art and animation. It's, um, this is so annoying (laughs) to say, to spell, but it's Chun-Li V, or yeah, Chun-Li VF. But it's C H U N L I V F. That doesn't make any sense. No one's going to we'll remember put that. A link in the, and, we'll put a link in the uh, description in the episode info. But then something to uh, I want to um, say that everybody should watch something I watched recently that was really great. Oh, The Woman in Black, the original made for TV oh, BBC yes. movie. Yeah. It's really beautiful and amazing and terrifying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, and I saw it recently and just wanted to share that. Peace. Awesome. And thank you for having us. Yes. Courtney, how about you? Cool. Um, I'm going to give it a four as well. I, yeah, there, I definitely had, there were some issues in the, for, of, there were, I had some issues with the movie, um, but I think overall it was good and it was very like, yeah, I thought, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to watch it again. So the rewatchability factor is there, at least for me just to understand what the fuck is going on. And then <laughs> um, that's just my life in general. And um, to plug anything. Yeah, I have just like my all of my my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook, my Venmo. I've <laughs> <are> all- <laughs> <laughs> never had a guest plug their Venmo before. That's I'll genius. I'm getting a tattoo tomorrow. I got to just I'm trying to re- go fund me for my new tattoo. So Ooh, what tattoo? Tattoo are you getting? So it is a, a little hand holding a moon and some oh. little twinkles around it. Yeah. I showed Josh, I think. Mm-hmm. So that I doesn't like mean it. that that also doesn't mean that you saw it, Sean. I'm like, I showed it to Josh. Why don't you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we share a brain. Um, um, but then yeah, social media is Courtney Warner 13. There's no you and Courtney and Warner like Warner Brothers. Again, this is a lot to remember. <laughs> um, and then something that I've watched recently that I thought was really great that I don't think enough people have seen or maybe wrote it off was BJ Novak's directorial debut, Vengeance. Holy yes! shit. I have so, yet to watch it, but I will watch it. So Holy shit. I'm it was from so Texas great. and that's the most Texas mm-hmm. like ugh. That's what a lot of my friends said too. It was so good. I I was pleasantly surprised by all of it, truly. And Boyd Holbrook is a comedy superstar. Mm-hmm. Very funny. And then, yeah, I thought it was well written. If you like The Office, if you like that sense of humor, then you're going to probably like, a, there's a lot to like about for comedy and then the murder mystery part of it. It's very fun. It's also about podcasting and that not all white boys need a podcast. Sorry, gentlemen. <laughs> I fully agree. I fully endorse that statement. <laughs> 
However, I am trying to convince Virginia to start another podcast with me, a side <laughs> podcast. Just a white guy and a white lady. <laughs> Would listen. Oh, uh, Connie, what do you have for a plug in for your review of this movie? Um, I'll give it four and a half. I like. I really liked it, and it made me think a lot. So that's good because I've watched some nonsense lately, where my brain could turn <laughs> off. So I, I did enjoy that. Um, I'm Velveeta Head on all the things out there that you could find because shockingly, no one ever has that handle. And uh, something that I was recommended, like Sean showed me an episode of Taskmaster a long time ago, but I didn't fully pay attention. And then very recently, another when I was in Philly, <laughs> um, George showed me many episodes of Taskmaster, and I totally got hooked. And so I really love that show, and it's very British, and it's hilarious. And that, that's what I recommend. That show is so addictive. You fall down a YouTube rabbit hole with yeah. Taskmaster. <laughs> and Jen, what do you have? Um, I'm Jen Creamer on Twitter and Letterboxd. And Most I would say watch more Jesse Buckley stuff. Wild Rose and Beast and I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Because um, she's great in everything. Awesome. And last but not least, Josh, what you got? Uh, I did give this four stars and a heart, right in right in line with Virginia, uh, because I love the hearts, Sean. I I <laughs> they're one of my favorite uh, indicators of whether I like the movie or not. It, it goes beyond Aww. the stars. Uh, but the oh, uh, I don't know if. They're still doing it, but I just did a, um, I spent all day at the Belcourt Theater, and Sean, you thought Nope was loud? Watch all three Lord of the Rings movies back to back. The extended editions, Ooh. in one sitting. Oh my god. In that theater. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> you did that? I did that. That's how I spent how long, Sunday. Like, how many hours? Was it's, it 12, hours? it's 12 hours. Oh How's god. your, how's your butt? Yeah. yeah. I, my my no. butt was okay. <laughs> Uh, Did anyone touch the the warm seat after you stood <laughs> That was the man spreading thing is the guy next to me was sitting like like because it was sold out too. There were so many oh. nerds and <laughs> it was surprisingly uh not entirely a sausage fest, which I thought yeah. it was going to be strictly male nerds, but there was a good female contingent uh in in uh, attendance there in uh, Middle Earth. In Middle Earth, but they are doing, mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of um, theaters, I don't know if they're doing Fathom events or what, um, but there's some really cool ones coming up. The Lord of the Rings, um, Jaws, both uh, 3D and IMAX edition, and The Blob, 1958, uh, Steve McQueen, The Blob, is getting re-released into theaters the for, I think, one day Steve only. McQueen. Yes. 45-year-old, <laughs> 17-year-old Steve McQueen. <laughs> uh, so I would recommend going in and seeing movies that you've gotten to see on your TV or phone, like, go see them on a big screen. If you get a chance, phone. <laughs> it really does give me like, I guess serotonin, like a boost. I feel very mm -hmm. differently seeing things in the theater than I do yep. seeing them at home. For sure. Yeah. I know other people feel the complete opposite of that and that it's just as good as home, but 
I really do feel differently at the theater. Yeah. It's a it's a whole different mm-hmm. mindset though. Like watching men, you know, first of all, I broke it up into three viewings over the last two days so I could take notes and do things. Um, but it, in the theater, like it was overwhelming. All those mm-hmm, yeah. the the nature yeah. shots and everything. I wish I. I wish I had seen it. In yeah. I need the sensory deprivation of it. Like I need to see nothing else and hear nothing mm-hmm. else and not be distracted by anything else. I need to it to be big and loud and mm-hmm. only hear the popcorn next to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's favorite. <laughs> Listen, it, it, once I'm 15 minutes into a movie theater. And I've done an assessment of all the people around me, and I know that there's no talkers, and that it's a bunch of other people who like to be quiet when they watch their movies, then I can settle down. However, when we go see a movie that's full, like, nope, and there's people talking and people crunching, I'm a fucking stress case, which is why I think I didn't like that movie as much as I probably should have, because I was just sitting there stressing the fuck out. I could not believe what you had to say about popcorn. Popcorn is extremely important to the movie-going experience. Thank you, Virginia. Yeah. Thank you, Connie. <laughs> I'm going to go I make did. some right now. <laughs> yeah. I got popcorn. I've got my milk duds. I'm just smushing them together yeah. while I make milk. No. <laughs> Connie, don't. No, no Connie. Reese's Pieces and yeah, popcorn yeah. is the yeah. best combination. No, but you I'm don't like pour taking... them in because they all fall to the bottom. You put it, Reese's Pieces in your hand, yeah, you and then you reach have... the popcorn in, put them both in your mouth. Yeah. I like going, if if the theater serves nachos, there's a good chance you're going to have jalapenos. And so I like getting a little cup of those and eating them with the popcorn. (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Look at Sean, yes. like, I'm not I, going to movies. How did I people. not know I was dealing with <laughs> lunatics this whole time? My God. Rude. <laughs> We're not crazy. You know, it's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's everyone but you. Yeah. Yes, apparently. To- yeah, apparently. that's why the man threw his daughter into the ocean so he could have a war bride. It's because of you, Sean. <laughs> I'm sorry. You and your plain popcorn. Okay, I'll stop being. No, I he been won't an even eat bully. popcorn. Popcorn's too loud. He has to so sit you- <laughs> with his hands in his lap and not. That they're in Turn his lap when they're not over his ears noise. when he's avoiding the, the trailers. Run yeah, away from the trailers. He has to run yeah. away from the trailers. You know, you know what I eat in a movie? Zero. I things. don't eat in a movie exactly. theater. You know what I eat in a movie? Yeah. Ideas. The film itself. <laughs> I'm an adult who can control my appetite for 98 minutes. <laughs> Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's way longer. <laughs> like, Go see 12 hours of Lord of the Rings movies, Sean. Yeah. What are yeah, you going to eat? eat something. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, you're gonna have I would just to like w- walk out of that theater just absolutely like famished and malnourished. And <laughs> you're gonna be Gollum. You'll look just like Gollum when you walk out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You could eat lambus lambus bread. Yeah, it wouldn't make too much of a crunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we're attacking you, Sean. Do you feel like a woman right now? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, or, I do. These aren't even because everyone's talking these over me, and I haven't even been allowed to give my opinion yet of anything. <laughs> oh yeah, you got to say talk about the movie, but yeah, we just we're not I don't. It's a four and a half, four point five. It's very good. I love it. I've seen it three times now. Uh, my movie that I'm going to recommend is Dancer in the Dark. Bjork gives one of the best performances I've seen in a long time. The movie I'm going to anti-recommend is Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. <gasps> it's boring. Ooh, you're a liar. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> we already know Sean likes 70s boring movies. 
Bloodborne movies. If you saw it in a yeah, theater, you would feel differently. There's nothing wrong with boring. Three out of five. Boring, boring. boring. Be a good incorrect. Oh. <laughs> you're we're welcome to your incorrect opinion, but know that we're all judging you. I think I just killed the show because Josh is done and talking to me. Yeah, That's, we're 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 through professionally. <laughs> We've Thank never been professional. <laughs> it actually doesn't affect anything. <sighs> well, thank you again. Thank you all so much for coming back. This was honestly one of my favorite recordings that we've done, and I had a wonderful time. Thank you for yay! yay. Thank you for having us. Yes. Look at what yeah. happens when you invite ladies on the show. I know. So go find some and bring them to the show. <laughs> Introduce them to me and ask Find them if they're sing- interested in moving to California. Some single ladies. <laughs> it's like the Beyonce song. Yeah, All exactly. All the single ladies. All of them. Now put your hand up. <laughs> All of the- if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it, Sean. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. In two weeks, we're going to be talking about the Sandlot and Major League to get ready for the baseball playoffs with our friend Patrick. So uh, three white guys with beards. Mm. So we, we've met baseball. the quota. And now we can go back to just the old standard. <laughs> so. That tracks. Uh, this has been Nashville CA. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be kind to yourself. We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I need everyone to give me a... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thank Beautiful. you.